Okay, good morning everybody. So glad that we can be together in some way this morning. I don't know about you guys, but I can tell you for myself that life has been a lot harder lately. I'm kind of weary of the coronavirus and all these uh, just being shut up in my office. Uh, life is a lot busier and harder, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, even though I'm finding it harder to uh, work through the scriptures, sometimes I've found it, especially this last week, just so easily distracted by other things. But I really am thankful for what God is doing in this time and uh, for how he's showing me my weaknesses because in that I'm uh, becoming more aware of just how much I need the Lord and, and how much more aware I am of his strength in these times. Uh, in Daniel chapter 10, our scripture for this morning, we are given this really amazing glimpse into the great conflict that's raging behind the scenes of what is going on in the world. The spiritual forces at work. And just thinking about what an encouragement that is uh, to us, what an encouragement it must have been for the heart of Daniel, a man who was in mourning, he was fasting and praying. And uh, just to see um, God's uh, good purposes and God's greatness behind all that's going on in the world. It's not often in scripture that the veil of, of heaven, the veil into the spiritual realm is is lifted so that we could see what's going on. Uh, but uh, when we do in these passages, we just especially see the, the greatness and the power of God and how he strengthens us to stand firm, that we might be strong in him. So we're going to read uh, Daniel chapter 10, and we'll read the first three verses just to get some background for uh, what was going on. So Daniel 10, 1 to 3. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word, I think I have it up on the screen, was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. So Daniel was doing some pretty intense fasting there for three weeks from all of life's comforts, really. In verse 12, 
goes on and it tells us uh, that he had set his heart to understand what was going on. And he humbled himself before God. Again, just as he had in, in chapter 9, Daniel was, he was burdened by the struggles of his people. And so he turns again to God in his great sorrow. And again, God answers. And so that's the context for this vision that he receives. Many years ago, A.W. Tozer wrote an article entitled, God Tells the Man Who Cares. In it, he wrote, The Bible was written in tears, and to tears it will yield its best treasures. God has nothing to say to the frivolous man. It was to Moses, a trembling man, God spoke on the mount. And that same man later saved the nation when he threw himself before God with the offer to have himself blotted out of God's book for Israel's sake. Daniel's long season of fasting and prayer brought Gabriel from heaven to tell him the secret of the centuries. Daniel's love for God and for his people was just, it was expressed by the way that he prayed and fasted, and so the Lord gave to him this, this true word about a great conflict. And, and Daniel was granted this encouragement that uh, we also get to uh, read about and experience, to see the, the strength that the Lord gives um, through this heavenly vision. And that vision uh, is found in verses nine and or four to nine, sorry. And I think I'll read that now. Daniel 10 verse four. On no, it's not on the screen. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone, and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And so when heaven's veil was lifted and Daniel saw this vision alone out of all those that were with him, 
he saw the, the glory and the greatness of God. He saw a vision of a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold. His face was bright like lightning, eyes like flaming torches. His voice echoed like the roar of a crowd. The parallels to, to many of the other Old Testament passages that speak of the glory of the Lord and to Revelation chapter 1 are striking. This passage I have on the screen, Revelations 1, 14 to 16, speaks of Jesus, the resurrected Lord, with feet like burnished bronze, eyes like a flame of fire, and a voice that was like the roar of many waters. Could this be a vision of God, the commander of heaven's armies, the Lord of hosts? Personally, I believe that this was an appearance of the Lord. Some people believe that it could just be an angel. Um, it's true. The glory of angels is, is indeed great. And there are times in Scripture where at the appearance of an angel of the Lord, God's servants fell like, like a dead man. They, they couldn't handle even the glory of an angel. Either way, the focus is, of course, on God's greatness, because the greatness of an angel is just a, a small, though it seems huge to us, reflection of God's greater glory, a glory we can only begin to imagine, glory that as God's people we look forward to seeing. He is the greatest. And there is none that can surpass the Lord God, the Lord of hosts. So awestruck, Daniel falls before this incredible sight. Mere man cannot stand in the presence of God. To see the greatness of God is humbling, and it is so encouraging those who are in Christ. It's humbling because it reveals our weakness. I mean, just think, if even the greatest men of God are falling before the glory of mere angels, how much more the greatness of the presence of God? I think it was the Apostle John who uh, bowed down to two different angels, and they, they, they said to him, no, they rebuked him, we're just fellow servants of the Lord. And uh, so it should humble us that we who are enemies of God, were enemies of God, have access to his throne through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And just how encouraging it is that God is gracious, that in our very weakness, he gives us his strength. If we were just left in our weakness, this would be a very sad picture indeed. 
But God in his greatness grants us divine help and encouragement as his people. And so I believe that's a big part of what we see in the following 11 verses from 10 to 21. Again, I don't have it on the screen for you, but turn to Daniel 10, verse 10, and I'll read to the end of the chapter. Daniel 10, 10. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before the Lord your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of, of the children of man touched my lips. And I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O oh, my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. How can my servant, Lord's servant, talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me and he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. So pretty um, amazing uh, view that we get here of, of the conflict that's going on and the encouragement to the Lord's servant, Daniel. Though angels are not the primary actors in the story of the world, uh, when you think about the vast, the whole of Scripture and the amount of times angels are, are mentioned in intervening or having a part in the affairs of this world, it's, it's perhaps not as much as sometimes we think. And yet they are indeed there. They are indeed um, serving the Lord. Uh, as it says in, in Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those 
who are to inherit salvation? And the answer there is, is a yes. And so in Daniel 10, we really do see that that ministry of angels in action. As the angel wakes up, Daniel delivers the, this encouragement that Daniel was a man that was especially loved by God, that the Lord had answered his prayers. Must have been so amazing to hear, fear not, that to hear that from the first day he set his heart to understand and humbled himself before God, his words had been heard. And to be told that the prince of the kingdom of Persia had withstood him, the angel, 21 days, but that Michael had come to help. I love really just the, the matter-of-fact way that the angel gives us this glimpse into the battle that was going on. As if it wouldn't have been any real surprise, you know, to hear that... Uh, you know, yeah, God heard your, God heard your prayer like uh, three weeks ago, and and I just I've been held up here, fighting this battle. Um, it's an encouragement, you know, that delay doesn't always mean no. It's an encouragement for us to persist, to continue to pray, and you know, Daniel didn't speculate. He didn't have a clue what was going on. Neither do we. It's enough to know that this is bigger than us, that the Lord hears our prayers, and that He will answer. And He answers in His timing whether we understand exactly what's going on in the spiritual world. But I think it, it encourages to keep praying, right? Because uh, the Lord... Did hear and the Lord was answering his prayer. Verse 14 tells us that the angel had come to make Daniel understand what was to happen to your people in the latter days. And this really becomes the focus of chapters 11 and 12. Yeah, it takes, takes the angel a, a little bit longer to get to the point. Uh, but it, I'm glad it, it does because we have uh, this encouragement from the angel that God's servant Daniel, that we can be strong, have no reason to fear. How would Daniel respond to this? When I think about it, I would have thought, you know, Daniel would have been just so thrilled to hear these amazing things, he would have been just like, oh, wow, this is amazing. But just goes to show us how little we know of our weaknesses, human beings. Daniel was, was so stunned by what he heard that he was actually mute. He could, it, it's like he couldn't process it is the picture that I have in my brain. He, he's stunned. And, and so when he finally can speak after the angel gives him another uh, touch, kind of like some, I don't know, angelic first aid or something, he, he can speak and then 
but he's still, he's like, first thing that comes out of his mouth is, um, Lord, angel, uh, I'm not feeling quite right yet. There's these pains that have come upon me, and I haven't got any strength. Verse 16. And so the angel again has to strengthen him with this touch. And, and then again, the second time he encourages him to be strong. The second time he tells him, you're greatly loved, Daniel. Fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And so this encouragement, it strengthens Daniel as he hears his words. And so he, he asks the angel to continue and to tell him what the Lord had sent him to tell him. And it's interesting because here then the angel doesn't launch right into, um, into what was going to happen in the latter days. First, he actually tells him about uh, sort of, I don't know what to call it, Kind of like his marching orders, what what God had for him, this angel, and so we have, uh, we we already know that he was sent to Daniel by God, that he was withstood by a prince of Persia, aided by Michael the archangel, and now the uh, angel says that he's going to return to fight this prince of Persia. The battle wasn't over yet in the, in the heavenly realms. And there would be another prince of Greece that would come after. And we do get in a bit into that in chapters 10, 11 and 12 for sure. It's interesting to me as well that there wasn't this giant army of angels. Apparently there was only this angel and, and, and Michael was there to contend by his side. But we know that the Lord was going to prevail, right? It's just interesting to reminder to me, the Lord doesn't need this great army, though he has the greatest army of all. But he is the one showing his strength. And, and protecting, ultimately, he's the one protecting his people. No matter how few they are, God's servants are the ones who prevail. This passage um, is one that really makes us wonder about a lot of things. It certainly reminds us of Paul's words in Ephesians 6, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I think most of all, the things that stand out from this chapter is the, the weakness of man, but the greatness of God. Underlying all of this is the fact that we need God. But with the Lord of hosts, there is no need for fear as, as a servants of the Most High. We are weak, but, but God is great. And so it's important that we don't underestimate the 
the divine help and the encouragement of the Lord that he gives. Even if an angel doesn't come along to us and zap us with his hand, even if we don't get told why our prayer is taking so long to get answered, underlying all of that is the, the, the truth that our strength, all of our strength, comes from the Lord. And the same God who is there with Daniel is there in your weakness and mine. The same God hears our prayers. And so like Daniel, we are called to stand and we are told, fear not. Now we know there isn't any standing without the Lord. But he still calls us to respond. Daniel could have said, ah, oh, I'm just, he could have been afraid and he could have just, but he, he looked to this angel and he asked for strength. How are we going to respond to the spiritual battle that rages? How will we stand in the evil day? There's many passages in Scripture that speak on this. could talk about the armor of God that we have in Christ and, and, and many other things. But I think it gets even more basic than that. It comes down to the fact that if we want to stand, we have to admit that we can't stand by ourselves. It starts by knowing we are weak. Daniel didn't tough it out or pull himself up. He he told the angel, uh, I'm, I've got pain in my chest. And he couldn't do anything about that pain. I, he needed some help for that, you know. We may not have that. It may not be a physical pain, but were we willing to admit to the Lord our weaknesses and ask for his strength? It's, it's so important to be aware of those things because if we're not aware of or admitting weaknesses, we're going. We're not going to the Lord. Try and tough it out on our own, and it just doesn't go well. I really love the Apostle Paul's attitude towards weakness. A couple of verses from 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. In verse 11, chapter 11, 30, verse 30. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Just the thought and the fact that he could rejoice in weakness because he loved God. And so he and he knew that God would be glorified in, in his weakness and suffering. Those that love God in, in a very real sense come to love uh, weakness. Cut not because we, we like being weak and 
and helpless per se, but but simply because it it shows the great glory and grace of the God who saved a wretch like me. If we love God, we will come to love all the ways that he shows his kindness and his grace toward us in our weakness. But having said that, we need to uh, we need to know that we are weak. But if all we're dwelling on is our weakness and trying to fix it, we're just as proud as the person that doesn't admit that they are weak. It's a miserable place to be, and I can tell you that firsthand, when we are painfully aware of our weakness, yet we will not bring ourselves to going to the Lord. And so often, that becomes our first, it's like a default response to power through or to try and do everything but go to the Lord. Everything but be really moved by our weakness to the place where we come to the Lord. If we want to be strengthened to stand, we can't just know we're weak. We have to dwell on the greatness of God. Daniel was undone by the greatness of God. And so, as God's people, we, are, we cannot be strong and courageous because of our strength, but because the Lord is our helper. So we know where our help comes from. It comes from the, the Lord, the maker of heavens and earth. And if our confidence is in the Lord, then we will look to him and go to him. And take the time to remember his greatness. To remember how this, this passage shows us his love for Daniel. How he strengthened him when he was weak. One of the things that I love about this chapter is how God is showing Daniel the battle was bigger than him. It really was a battle he couldn't uh, face in and of himself. But God has it covered. And God wasn't just aware of this angelic conflict he was in control as well. Our confidence is this. It's that God's messengers, God's servants, will not be thwarted. Though Satan's forces are working, it's God who prevails every single time. And you know, the battles we face, oh, to be honest, we don't normally get to see what's going on behind the scenes of the struggles of our lives. It's enough to know, like Daniel, that this is greater than us. This is not a fight for us alone. But whatever situations or temptations, whether they're just the mundane daily things or kind of out of this world, seemingly, we can always fight with the word of God, truths of the gospel, 
can always go to the Lord in prayer. At its core, we must know that we are weak, but know that He is strong. And it takes time, it takes thought to really considering and, and dwelling on the greatness of God, the goodness of the Lord. No person, by just by dwelling on themselves, will ever stand. It's just too hard. God's calling us to look up, to consider the battle. Yes, there is that understanding of the fight that we face that we need to be aware. But to know that it is God who prevails. Evil and heartache has its time, but in our weakness, he is strong. So I conclude with the words of Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might.